0: If you've got a Bible with you, if you can turn to Acts chapter 27, please. So turn, click, scroll, or recall from memory. I went to the opticians recently because I was struggling to read my rather small print Bible. And uh, I was saying to him, you know, it struck me a few weeks ago, I went to read something in church and stuff and I couldn't, it was just all blurred, couldn't read it and uh, my optician's very helpful comment was, why don't you know it all from memory? (laughs) Which was not a bad point, wasn't quite what I was hoping you would say, Um, but there we are. So you can recall from memory I'm sure um, the latter part of the book of Acts. We've got to Acts 27. This is a penultimate penultimate message in our series in Acts. Oh. some of you are disappointed about that. Some of you are <laughs> nonplussed. I don't know. We're gonna. Uh, sk- I'm gonna skip some verses because it's a long passage. I want to refer to this morning. We don't have time to read it all. I'd encourage you to read it. because It's some good stuff in there. But I'm gonna highlight some verses to us that I pray will be helpful as we go. So Acts twenty-seven. You- I'm going to jump around a little bit so you can follow through uh, on your phone device or old-school, real print version like this, if you wish. Verse 1. When it decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the imperial regiment. And they start their journey. And by verse 9, we read that much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonements. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbour was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbour in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. So what happens next is there's a huge storm. That's the summary of the next few verses. A huge storm, and uh, we, we find that actually the ship gets shipwrecked. Verse 21, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, "Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. And so what happens then, the, uh, the ship is shipwrecked and they discover that they uh, run aground on Malta. And we'll pick up the story in Malta little bit later but for now let's pray. Lord Jesus we thank you that already today you've been speaking to us so clearly and now we pray in these moments as we consider these verses together that you would continue to speak to us from your word and that you'd apply it to our lives we ask it please in Jesus name. Amen. 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 So to start with what we've got here is life in the storm. If you're taking notes, that's the first heading, life in the storm. All of us face storms in life, don't we? For Paul here and his travelling companions, it was a literal storm. He was on a boat, the wind blew up, the waves got high, he was in literally a storm. And as a result, as we heard here in the passage, the boat is shipwrecked. But for you, it might not be a literal one, or maybe it has been. Maybe you've been out on a boat. We were in the Lake District uh, last week, and we were recalling the previous time that we had been in the Lake District, where someone had the bright idea of taking a boat out onto a certain Lake District lake, because at the time, it looked calm and sunny and peaceful, and I thought it'd be fun for my family. However, by the time we got to the middle of said lake, the wind started to blow, the waves started to be a bit choppy, and the boats going up and down. But as you can imagine, my family remained peaceful and calm, confident in my ability to pilot us safely back to shore. So we were recalling that. Maybe you've been in that sort of situation. Maybe you've taken out a sailboat or a leisure craft. and You know what it's like to be in a storm on a choppy lake or a sea. But even if you don't, I'm sure you know what it's like to face a storm in life. When circumstances start to blow around you, where life gets bumpy, not just an ocean wave. Maybe it's not a literal storm that you've been in. Maybe it's a circumstantial one. Maybe you're in one right now. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, you know what, I'm in the storm right now. It's all around. Everywhere I look, there's storm. Every direction, there's storm. And if this morning you're sitting there thinking, well, actually, I'm not in a storm. Life is good right now. Then hallelujah, I'm thrilled for you. But let me tell you this. This is not prophetic. It's just how it is. There will come a time when life will get a bit choppy. Because life is like that sometimes. And it will feel like you're in a storm. So even if you're not in one right now, even if in your years you have never been in one, you probably will at some point. So the question for us I would suggest is not, will you hit a storm? It's not like taking a boat out on a lake thinking, it might be okay, it might not, we'll we'll find out and we'll see. It's not, will you hit a storm? It, the question is rather, what will you be like when you hit a storm? What will your reaction be? How will you cope? What will you do? What will you be like in the storm, in that moment when all around you, in every direction, it's coming at you. It's not will you hit a storm? It's what will you be like when you hit a storm? See, Paul knew that the storm was coming. Interesting, isn't it? He he warns his fellow travelers of it. And when it hits, he carried on trusting in God's to see him through. It's not that he gave up at that moment and thought, oh, God's abandoned me. There's a storm here. No, no, not at all. Rather, in that moment, he carried on putting his trust in the Lord to see him through. Just as a boat has an anchor you can drop, and it's designed to secure the boat in that particular position. Paul's life had a very firm and solid anchor in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's that relationship with the Lord that carried him through these tough times. It's that relationship with his God that held him close in that storm. Actually, the reality is for Paul he'd been in some other storms as well. This was not the first occasion for him. There had been other things in his life that had hits. He'd suffered shipwreck, beatings, floggings, imprisonments. He lists some of these things in two Corinthians eleven. He says five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled. I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul knew what it was like to be in a storm. And my guess is the fact that he'd been in a storm previously and God had seen him through it gave him some faith that if God said he was going to see him through it again, he would. And maybe that's your story too. Maybe you can look back and go, ah, life was tough then, but God saw us through. God was faithful to me. He didn't let me go. He remained close. He remained faithful. Paul knew what it was to be in a storm, both a literal one and a circumstantial one. Maybe you can relate to that. But Paul, as we've said, had an anchor in his life. One of my dad's favorite hymns was this one, one closely associated with the boys' brigade, of which he was a part in younger life. It goes like this. I won't sing it. Well, I might do. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong ties lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? Chorus says this. We have an anchor that keeps the soul. Steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love. Amen, indeed. They don't run like that anymore, do they? (laughs) Paul had an anchor in his life that held him firm and deep in the Saviour's love. So my question this morning, friends, is this. Do you have that firm and solid anchor, that sure foundation in your life? Maybe you know it in theory, but working it out in practice is a bit tough sometimes. That's true of lots of things, isn't it? We can know it in theory. We can say, Yeah, I agree with that. My mind says, Yes, I believe it. But working it out in practice is tough. We sang a song earlier that talked about not being shaken. We sang that line I will not be shaken so appropriate to this point. I'm thinking, if we carry on seeing this much more, I won't have anything left to say. Because it was so true. It is so true. I feel like this morning there are some of you here who are facing storms right now. And you know in theory that God is faithful. You've even seen it previously in your life that God is faithful. But right now, in this moment, in this storm, you're finding it hard to believe it again. I felt as I was preparing this week, as I was praying about this passage, that that applied to some of us this morning. Does that resonate with any of you? Just raise your hand where you are. You know it's true, You've even seen it to be true before, but right now, you're just struggling to believe it in practice. I want to pray for you right now. If that's you, why don't you just stand where you are. I'm going to pray real quick. Father, I want to pray right now for my dear friend standing. If you're near someone who's still, just lift your hands Then Just pray for them. Father, those who are facing storms in life, Father, I want to pray right now. Holy Spirit, would you come and God, would you come and remind them that you are their anchor. You are their sure foundation. You are their solid hope. Remind them, Lord, that they have an anchor that keeps their soul, steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Lord, remind them of the rock which cannot move, grounded, firm and deep in the Saviour's love. Father, I pray right now that the truth of your word, the past experience of you being faithful, will make that journey from being a head knowledge to a heart and life experience. Holy Spirit, would you come right now in these moments. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and demonstrate your faithfulness. Come and demonstrate your goodness. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you're good. Thank you that you never change. Thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Derek, before you sit down, why don't you come and join me? Um, we were singing earlier about the river of God. It's a great, that's a great song. It's like one of my favourite songs. That I love it. <laughs> and we were singing about the the life that the river brings, and it's another key to facing the storm. It sounds a bit strange, and talking about storms and water, and actually, there's life of the Spirit that God gives. And Derek felt God to speak to him to, to prompt him to share something during worship. And we thought, I'm oh, not right now. I think it's later. And I thought, no, actually, it's right now in the middle of the preach. So um, why don't you share what you had earlier,
1: Derek? Thank you. Uh, a lot more official than what I expected. <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure, yeah. Um, just when when Izzy was talking about the river and um, just... It's the Spirit of God. And then Paul came up and saying that we need to, you know, cover ourselves, just jump in and allow this river. And so often, um, when we look at our lives, particularly my life, I'm talking about myself, and the issues you have growing up and the, the conditions you condition, the world conditions you in some way. Why I have these mindsets, you've got no idea. I don't know where they come from. But I was introverted and. I had strong mindsets about I became a Christian many years ago, uh, 20 years ago, but I, w- I wasn't where God wanted me. I was felt a bit like Balaam, just being stubborn, God nudging him all the way until the donkey had to talk to him. Now <laughs> I feel I've got a bit of a donkey head, a dumb head, as they call it. But then four years ago, um, there was a word spoken over my life about, about the word and the truth of the word and the knowledge. And I thought, well, How's this ever going to happen? It was a prophecy. I, unfortunately, I can't find it. But anyway, it was this prophecy. And I thought, how's it ever going to come into being if I don't take up the word and start reading? I, I never—I read the Bible almost probably once, you know, in my 20 years uh, being a Christian. But anyway, I said I was going to de- be determined to read it. Anyway, I started reading it, and I just lost all hope when I got to certain, particularly numbers. <laughs> Yeah. And I thought, I need something to encourage myself. So I decided I'm going to buy commentaries. And I bought commentaries. From, um, I can't remember, I think of his name now. But throughout the whole Testament, I read his commentaries. when I went into the New Testament, I read all, uh, it was uh, Tom Wright. I read all his commentaries right through the, the Bible. And as I was going through, I was just so encouraged. And I was just so drawn to the word. And over the last four years, I I don't know, countless times, I've just kept on reading it. When I get to the end, I go to the front and just carry on reading. Now, there's a word in, in Romans that says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the only way we can renew our minds in this world, particularly in this day and age where we have such this information technology and it's just flooding you with all sorts of things, the Word is the thing that keeps me f- so grounded. I come home, I don't turn the telly on, I just read the Word. And it's just transforming me into somebody from being that stubborn person at these truths. You know, God says in His Word that, um, um, that... I had it in my head now. Now it's just gone. Uh, uh, Jesus said that if you confess Jesus as your Lord... He comes in you and you are in him and that's a that's a pow- profound truth it goes on further to say that the in is our ma- love made perfect that on the day of judgment that as Jesus is, so are we in this world but in the world to come in this world so the power and authority is in us in Ephesians chapter one it says in, ch- in verse nineteen that the the, the raising from the dead power is in with us. But I never yeah. experienced these things. These are truths that I've got to take into my heart and believe them. If I'm looking at the world through carnal mind and a carnal head, it just dissipates. I'm, you know, My flesh just rises up. And that giant I've got to kill. I've got to kill that giant in me. There's a giant that knows me better as well as myself. And that giant, I've got to put those truths And kill him as David killed that giant. I've got to kill him and slay him, and just allow those truths. I want to go. I go out with Ray week after week. We don't. (laughs) We don't see much uh, success in our. But we believe that the words we speak into people's lives. I don't find it easy talking to me. He's a. He is awesome. Yeah, he can talk to anybody. I think if anybody walked past, he can (laughs) talk to. But I'm not like that. Yesterday as well we were walking and he was just walking next to a guy and just started a conversation going. We spent hours with the guy. And that's awesome that we can spend time with people Excuse. that desperately needs God's love. Uh, we were just doing a study on Matthew and we came to the, the crucifixion. And it hit me, the crucifixion. Jesus prayed before he was crucified, Lord, if this be your will, take it from me. Take this cup from me. But not my will, your will. And what I have to do is not my will, but God's will. God's will is that people come to know him as Lord and Savior, understand through my love, not judging them, not going there and t- condemning people, but loving them. Love is the key that's going to transform our lives. And it's transforming mine. I'm, not, I'm wading in. I'm about, it's probably a waste of <laughs> But I want to get, I get so full with God that he just, I'll go and just transform people's lives.
0: That's great. Thanks, Derek. Thank <laughs> you. Just knowing God's word, knowing the truth of God's word, is so helpful in the storm, isn't it? It's not just thinking positive thoughts, it's not just I'll oh, be alright. It's knowing the truth of what God has said in his words that sees us through that that storm. So Paul and his so, thanks for that, it's so helpful to fit it in there. <laughs> Paul and his fellow travelers are shipwrecked but alive and they end up in Malta. We'll look at that in a second. Before we, before we get there, just one more thing about the storm. I'm sure most of us can relate to the idea of going on a journey, can't we? Whether it's a business trip or a long-awaited and needed holiday, whether it's just a day out with the kids, Whatever the journey is, what you don't want, just before you leave is someone standing up and promising that it's going to be a disaster. That's not a great start to a day out, is it, or a trip somewhere? But that's what happens here. That's the message that Paul brings to his fellow travelers saying, "Guys, we shouldn't go. It's going to be a disaster." And he's traveling, bear in mind, as a prisoner. He's got a Roman guard, centurion and soldiers. It's not like he's the ship's captain or an officer. He's a prisoner here. And yet he brings this message. And he brings the message early and says, it's all going to go wrong. It's a disastrous journey. Don't, don't, Don't take it. Don't take it. But he speaks up. But a bit later... He's not heard the first time, but a bit later, do you notice he speaks up again? And this time, he is heard. And this time, what Paul says saves the lives of all on the ship. Phil Moore, in his commentary on Acts, argues that as Christians, we need to learn to be ignored. Fascinating idea, isn't it? He said, Learn to be ignored. And he goes as far to say that God wants you to be ignored. Not always, but sometimes. And his point is this if you speak up and are ignored in the good times, when the tough times come, those around you are more likely to listen. Because you're saying the same message in the good times and in the tough ones. And it's only the fact that you spoke earlier and may have been ignored then, but it's only that fact that gives you the right to speak later and then even to say something of really quite marked importance. Paul gives his warning. Not listened to, ship set sails anyway. And then a bit later, he, ge- he speaks again. And this time, Paul seems to move into a leadership position on the ship. And all those around him do what he says. The sailors, the centurion, the soldiers. Paul seems to be the one in charge now. I wonder what situations is God calling you to speak up in? Where where is it that you should be saying something of your faith? Maybe you think you've got no right to speak. Well, listen, Paul was a prisoner. He had no right to speak. Maybe you think you're the most junior person in your office, or the newest person around, who who are you to say anything? The answer is simple. You can do and say lots if that's what God has for you. So I wonder, what does God want you to say? How does he want you to say it? To whom and in what situation? We don't have much time to, to look at it now. But as well as life in the storm, there's life after the storm. And Paul and his fellow travelers arrive on the island of Malta, beginning of chapter 28 there. You can read it I uh, home. I encourage you to do that the first 10 verses there. You'll find that Paul, having survived the storm, survived the shipwreck, then gets attacked by a snake. He, he's not having a great week, is he? You know, surviving a storm and shipwreck, and then a viper goes for him. Fortunately, no harm comes to him. God is clearly protecting him because God has things for him to do. The irony of the situation is not lost on the islanders who initially think they must have done something really bad to survive a shipwreck and then be attacked by a snake. And then, when no harm comes to him, they revere him. Almost as a God. Maybe you feel like that sometimes. You just get through one storm, and before you can almost breathe, something else hits. But at no point does Paul suggest that this means that God has left him. At no point does he say, Well, does that mean you know God's not around anymore? Not at all. If anything, these events just go on to prove. God's faithfulness to Paul. So often we ask questions like, does God really love me? Has he left me now? We think that circumstances prove or disprove things, but actually it's God's word that proves things, just as Derek was talking about a moment ago. Circumstances change. Situations can be good or bad. Storms come and go, but God's word remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. So rather than moping about, Paul hears of the sickness of uh, the leading man of Malta. His father is ill. The chief official of the island is called Pubulus. And uh, he hears about this guy's father who's sick. And so rather than moping around thinking, well, Feeling sorry for himself, he takes the opportunity to go and pray for the guy. And you can, you know, I think it's a fair understanding that he probably would have said something about Jesus' love for him as well, wouldn't he? Prayed for him, shared the gospel with him as well, I'm sure. Paul's always looking for an opportunity to share and demonstrate God's love. And he prays for him, lays hands on him, and sees him healed. No moping about for Paul. Just straight in there once again. Sees an opportunity and goes for it. And I love the fact that this healing is not in a meeting. It's not in a church setting. It's not with lots of other believers around. Not with a band playing in the background. Not in a sort of an expectation of, world. Well, God does things in meetings. No, no, no. He's just got shipwrecked. He's met the leading official of the island and hears about his father who's sick. He says, well, hey, can I see him? I'd love to go and pray for him. It doesn't even seem the guy to ask for prayer. It seems like Paul is one taking initiative, saying, well, can I come and pray for him? I was really challenged by this, this week. God calls us to bring the kingdom of God into every situation Every circumstance and every need. Wasn't Bee's testimony earlier great? Just talking about praying for somebody at work, just the husband of somebody at work, just seeing God move. It's wonderful, wonderful. So my question as we close is this: Are we doing that? Are we looking for those opportunities? Am I doing that? Are you doing that? We're nearly at the conclusion. the book of Acts, just one more message to go in a few weeks' time. Paul is very nearly at Rome, and Luke's account is nearly at its end. But the lessons that we've learned are not meant to end here. They are to be carried on in life. So if you're in the midst of a storm or a trial, Keep on going. Keep on trusting. Keep on believing what God has said. Speak up even if it seems that no one is listening or taking notice. And speak up again when the situation gets tough. And don't be surprised if God calls you to lead in your family, your workplace, amongst your friends. Even in a situation where you think you've got no right to be heard, God might use you to influence others. And keep on looking for every opportunity to declare God's love and to demonstrate God's love. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this account of the shipwreck that Paul and the his traveling companions experienced here. Thank you that you were faithful. Thank you, you're always faithful. But thank you, we read of your faithfulness here. We read of you moving. And Father, we pray again that in the storms of life we would know the sure and solid foundation of you in our lives. That, Lord, we hold to the truth of your word, not to the feelings of the circumstances around us. And we pray, Lord, that we would both declare and demonstrate your goodness and your love for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Look forward to seeing you on Wednesday evening. Sunny Hill Community Centre for our Encounter Night. And have a great evening worshipping God, encountering Him together. Please join us. Look forward to seeing you on Wednesday at half seven and then back here next Sunday at 10 o'clock. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at
1: www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.